Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor, Publishers Weekly, uh, editor of PW Comics World and editor of The Fanatic, uh, PW's twice a month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. All right. Well, uh, welcome, um, listeners to, uh, you know, I, I, well, I, this is, this is our first recording of the new year, but you know, it, it, it gets a little crazy when, uh, when we're going to post it. So there might be something that goes up before this, but that's okay. Um, because this is a special occasion for me. I've been waiting for over a year, maybe two years. I mean, that's what me just waiting for the book. Lord knows how long this book has been, uh, in, in, uh, been worked on. Uh, but I'm here. Uh, to talk with uh, Tim Fielder uh, about his new book, Infinitum. What is it called? Uh, An Afrofuturist Tale. Uh, hold on a second, Tim. Well, well hi. How you doing? I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead Hello, of- sir. Hello uh, to the great Calvin Reed. Yeah, Hello, sir. There you go. You, you, you make me blush. But I, I, I want to just say a few things about you. I mean, I've interviewed you on the podcast before, so I should actually say welcome back to Thank the podcast. You. But I just want to say he is an illustrator, concept designer, cartoonist, an animator, uh, the founder of Diesel Funk Studios, which seems to do all kinds of cool black stuff. Um, born in Tupelo, Mississippi, raised in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Uh, he's got a, a, a an extraordinary family. Maybe I can get, pierce your privacy. Oh you can oh say boy, a little oh bit boy. about that. Your oh brother boy. has an afterword in the book. Yes. Um, and, you know, he's got it going on as well. Yes, um, he does. He has a lifelong love of Afrofusion. He's got a TED Talk. Okay, I, I mean, I could go on and on for a while. Uh, he's an incredibly talented uh, 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 creator. Uh, Tim, welcome to More to Come. Back to More to Come. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. It's a pleasure always to be with someone who, uh, well, I won't release that part of it because that, that might hurt you monetarily, but you love the form. <laughs> I love the form big time. Uh, and, 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 and I'm loving that we're living in a period, uh, where there's been an explosion of creativity around the, the form. Um, and, and in particular, in your case, uh, uh, you know, a black creator, an African American creator, um, an Afrofuturist. Visual Afrofuturist, yes. A creator. Uh, or I think, uh, I think I read somewhere, um, uh, you defined yourself as, uh, I draw Negroes in spaceships. Yes, I do. Jerry Kraft told me, no, don't say that. I'm like, I said. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I think we're both old enough. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm old enough at a time when, yeah. uh, if somebody called you black, you, you right. step back and this was time to fight. When yeah, I was yeah. a kid, uh, right. Negro was what you said. What I like about when you're saying that in some ways, right. it reflects the book. Uh, it is the past and the future. Exactly. Uh, uh, intertwined. In, in, uh, inextricably intertwined, yeah. um, and and I think this is something we can say not about this uh, uh, about this book, but also about some other works that yes. we've talked about in this podcast, and we yeah. might mention as well. Absolutely. Um, look, what we're here to talk about is uh, a a new graphic novel, Infinitum. It's going to be published this month, uh, very shortly after this. You know, about a week. I think you you were telling me. Yes, about uh, seven eight days from now. Uh, I, I, you know, we were chatting before this, and I, I called it a meta epic. It is, wow. and and by that I mean it is a meta epic of black storytelling. In my view, that um, it places the black point of view, the African, uh, the the African and and uh, diasporan presence into uh, uh, Western storytelling from the beginning of the world to the end of time. Uh, every time you've, you've been in, uh, you've been in some storytelling situation, and I'm, this is to the, uh, directed at our audience, and wanted to know, well, where are the black people? <laughs> and this may, in some ways, this may, may, may be an answer to that. It, to me, it's a giant conceptual project, like a piece of conceptual art, that is, is as powerfully an idea as it is uh, a methodical group of drawings, incredibly rich drawings and storytelling, which it is also. But it is also a, a, a thing that by its very existence uh, makes you sensitive to the idea of what I've, of my rambling description here. So um, 
not rambling, not rambling at all. In fact, that's how excited I am now. Oh no, no, thank you. Thank please, you. would you? Uh, what I'd love to hear now is you tell us a little bit, our artists, just a little bit about. Uh, well, how do you characterize this book? All right. So, first of all, thank you for what you said. And, one, <laughs> and I'm like, well, Calvin, you just did your my job. For I'm it. sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But uh, the the key is, and it was something I was recently uh, writing an article. And I was asked to explain what Afrofuturism or Afrofuturists, what do they do? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm using that ten, that term uh, before we just called it black sci-fi. Which, you know, <laughs> the term the people, some people have issues with the term, whatever. I don't yeah. care. It's a dope term. Use it, yes, right? I, I love it, too. <laughs> you know? uh, so what futurists generally do is they project trends that come into the future. The very nature of being from the African diaspora is you may not have a clear picture of your past. Sure. So one of the unique natures of Afrofuturism is that while also looking forward, it has to also look back in order to clarify where it is right there in the present. Mm -hmm. It's a moving, nonlinear existence because Black people generally have to live in a nonlinear existence. Mm-hmm. You have to, you know, when we go to the store, I'm a black man, you're a black man. Yes, we're going to buy bread. We're going to buy, but we have to always have our head on a swivel. We have to always, how do you respond to people in authority? How does someone else's perception affect you just hmm. based on the way you look? Yeah. Although absolutely, they have no clue of who we are, where we come from. It's just a perception. It's based on stereotype. So what I wanted to do with Infinitum, and I'll talk about it in a short form and then a longer form. Go for it. (laughs) Form was I wanted to produce a book that would attempt imperfectly, but to attempt in the most epic way possible. To show the wealth and poverty mm. of the black experience over the course of time. Sure. I wanted to show, you know, where are the black barbarians? Mm-hmm. You know, sure. Charles Saunders, uh, 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 God rest his soul, just passed away. We, he did that with his, his, uh, Emerald character. Uh, I wanted, to do something where I paid homage to that type of work and to fill in that space that Robert E. Howard and Mm -hmm. Edgar neglected. Why can't we have ourselves? That's part of what I did with Maddie's Rocket. Yes. Uh, But I wanted to, this was a larger scale. I wanted to say, okay, uh, now we're in on the African continent, but no, these societies are not affected by colonialism. Mm Mm-hmm. This is before that happens. Well, how did people live? How did royal courts operate? Mm-hmm. How did they deal with religion? How did they deal with art? Mm-hmm. Then you take it farther and you come into the new world where it becomes, uh, I guess it extends from what, um, what is it, uh, uh, Nadia Corfor has been calling it, uh, uh, African uh, futurism. Uh-huh. It goes there and then it goes into a more African, uh, uh, Afrofuturism where it's extending into the diaspora. Mm-hmm goes into the new world. But then there was a point where I wanted to deal with South America, the Afro-Latino component. So I wanted to do something that it went from there and then it extended into colonization mm-hmm. on faraway planets and intergalactic war and, and dealing with gender, you know, paying homage to uh, uh, Samuel R. Delaney mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, having the, the meta male hero a homage to to the the works I always go of Stephen Barnes with the street mm-hmm, people. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I grew up on that stuff. I read that sure, stuff. Sure. So I wanted to do something like that. That would, as best as it could, sum up that total and be big, be epic. Visually, would be as good as you. Are you I believe you pronounce his name Segrelis, who does who does the uh, a series called the the uh, Mercenary. Yeah, I'm not familiar. I'm, yes, but, uh, uh, I think he's from Spain. I could be wrong. Yeah, but yeah. fully painted in oil, 
for years. But check it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Halfway through his career, he went digital. So everything started, he started painting everything digital. I wanted to do a story that would show people with complexions like you, like <laughs> me. Well, no, I'm serious. Yeah, I'm no, serious. I, believe there's, me, I know you are. <laughs> there's beauty in that. There's beauty in the, the, the blemishes, beauty in the wrinkles, beauty in this person is short, this person is tall, this person is, they have, they have, this, this lady has wide hips, thin hips, they have a double chin. Mm-hmm. They have, they're balding like me, right? (laughs) Those are the things I wanted to show and to depict black people in as epic a form as possible. That was the goal of Infinite. Brother, you got it done. Um, I mean, you, you've touched on a couple of things here that I want to ask maybe a little later in our talk. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do want to mention right in advance though, I do want to just respond to the, uh, react to the, your, uh, what you're saying about representation, visual re- representation, in mm-hmm. fact, diversity in, mm-hmm. in thinking and seeing, uh, um, about how, uh, African people, uh, yes. are depicted. Um, this book is so richly illustrated. I mean, you. you have a knack, uh, for, uh, uh, you know, and obviously you're an animator, uh, but you have a really, really extraordinary act for bringing rich detail and emotional content to your visual depictions. And I'm just going to leave it at that. We'll get, we'll, we'll talk more about it later, but this the book is, is a, is a feast for the eyes. Thank you. Uh, and, and, uh, but it's also powerful. It hits you in the gut sometimes. Uh, it's, you know, anyway, uh, let's, it's let's not nice. Yes. Huh? No, it's not nice, but, but you it know, the, nice. Right. Uh, the, 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 the story arc that, that follows African people isn't always nice. Um, yes. uh, but it's rich in, um, uh, in material for this, in, this incredible story that we, that we've lived through. Okay. Now, they've, they've got a picture of the book. Now, real quick, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, I mentioned that you're from Mississippi, but you've got a big, big family. You've got a twin brother. Yeah, twin brother. My name is Tim Fielder. I have a twin brother named Jim Fielder, believe it or not, identical, uh, who's a filmmaker. He and I are both collaborating on a film studio we're setting up in Atlanta. Mm. A lot of interesting things going on. Oh, yeah. Okay. Studio okay. Visceral is what it's called. Okay. And, um, I have uh, the second oldest brother who you know is the mastermind, uh, you know, the, the taskmaster. I call sure. him from time to time. Boston That's Fielder. Boston. Mm-hmm. Yes, who uh, has been my manager on this book and designed the book. Ah. The, 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 he's a graphic designer. He's the one who the real ah, – okay. that book, this book is the sum total in terms of its typography and graphic mm-hmm. design. That's Boston. Oh, okay, great. Well, most people know him, ironically enough, as a musician and a screenwriter. They see, don't I, know. Well, well, well multi-talented. <laughs> Right. This guy's one of the baddest graphic designers on the planet. Yeah, it's a book's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh and of course, uh it's my oldest brother, uh Arthur uh Jaffa, who's uh, uh I'm trying you know, how do you say this? You know, we just know him as art, but a lot of people know him as AJ. He's like one of the probably one of the biggest fine artists on the planet. Yeah, right. I would have to agree with that, yes. I right. mean yes. <laughs> and he and wrote the afterward the, to the book. Exactly. And all of this extends from living across the street from a cotton field. Mm. And An iconic uh, and charged, uh, obviously, I- image, yes. Right. Yes. And basically subsisting on a diet of Marvel. <laughs> Didn't we all? Six. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, but we also got our comics in from Bud plant who would ship them oh, from, oh, to us via uh, UPS. So uh, reading totally inappropriate comics at too young an age. <laughs> oh, well, that's the uh, way it goes. <laughs> and, you know, all that type of stuff we would read. But that is what changed us and what changed me individually was when Star Wars hit and it basically, like sending me through a Kubrick light tunnel ah. in 2001, changed my life. And I wanted to be a concept designer and comic book artist. And that is how I did it. Now, fuse that 
with the fact that I grew up in the Mississippi Delta. Mm -hmm. I'm a man of the South, of the black South. Mm -hmm. At first, you know, when you come north, you're like, oh, God, I don't want anyone to know I'm I'm from down south because, you know, we're not that intelligent or we speak certain ways. Then you realize, you know. My grandmom and my granddad and those people, Washfielder, you know, these folks bust their behinds to get where we are. So I'm going to claim them. Go for it, man. So I mean, there's black. not too many black people in this country that don't have don't look over their shoulder and exactly. realize the South is what made them. And exactly. The the great migration. There's a reason why it's called a migration, because mm-hmm. everybody went from South, the South to the North. Now, of course, ironically, it's reversing. Yes, these days you're absolutely right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, so that's kind of like what I try to do in my work. I have b- done uh, Afrofuturism uh, since I was uh, a teenager, and it is what I do. Uh, it is so interesting now that the world has finally caught up to what it is that it, I uh, do in a big way. <laughs> in um, a big way, and I'm grateful to be here to do it. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Let's jump into the book here. You know what? I'd love to hear you. Uh, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about essentially um, the key, kind of the key characters that launched this great mythological, um, you know, epical march through time and storytelling. Aja Oba, Queen Lua, and Obin. Obinrin Aje, am I, am I saying the name? Uh, 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 Can you Obinrin, help me? We'll just say Obinrin is it. So what, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll basically break it down. Just like describe this. the characters. Actually, yeah. yeah. All right. So Aja is, the, is an African warlord. Mm-hmm. And he is, along with his queen, are typical. They, the whole thing is about having an heir, sure. allowing their kingdom to continue. Uh, unfortunately, they cannot bear children. Uh, however, one of the lovers of the king has a child, mm-hmm. his child. And this fool claims the child for his throne with the complicity of his queen. Uh-huh. And he is cursed with the gift of immortality. Mm-hmm. And as a result of that curse, he is forced to live forever. Mm. And as a result of living forever, he intersects and intertwines and interplays with all of these different small and large moments over the course of time. Mm-hmm. And I did that because I'm tired of black men dying in movies. There you go. I just, <laughs> I'm sick of that. That's now, why, the, to me, this is conceptual art. I mean, you've taken this point and and and, and, and enlarged it into this commentary on storytelling. Right. Go on. Right. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. It's okay. So I remember, uh, you know, we would go to church. Uh, I was raised Catholic, and we came home from church. And, you know, back then, they would show things on TV that, you know, it's like, whoa, why are you watching it? But, you know, this was the 70s, and Night of the Living Dead was on. This <laughs> sure. after church, we came home. Sure. We're watching it, and we're looking at it, and I'm, like, terrified. But, you know, it's like, oh, what's what's happening? And then we're noticing that this black man is highly intelligent. Yeah. And he's consistently pointing out to these folks, these white folks, like, yo, guys, let's not do this. We need to do this. And he makes it to the end of the movie, and just as he's running away, <laughs> he is shot and killed. Yeah. Never forgot that. Yep. Never forgot it. It happened again in Alien with Yafet Koto, mm. one of the brilliant, brilliant uh, thespians out there. And you notice as I'm pointing out these black men, I'm not mentioning black women at all. Yeah. There were none. There were very few, if any, that were free. Nichelle Nichols, God bless her. Yes. Right. And so I wanted and it's kind of a sad thing to say, particularly this year, but I wanted to address the high mortality rates of black characters in speculative fiction. (laughs) That's what I wanted to address. And I just said to myself, you know what? I don't care what happened. This guy going to live. And that's what I did. Uh, I I do eventually want to get to a middle grade book. But I'm going to tell you honestly, Calvin, this is for you. Mm-hmm. 
This is from my dad. Sure. 86, almost 87. Awesome. He read last week. This was so you guys, myself, my son, who the uh-huh. are dedicated to. It's for us to see, oh, wow. This is about us. You know, Maddie's Rocket is, you know, even Infinitum is for everyone. Anyone can read mm-hmm. it and get something from it. But Maddie's Rocket is for the sisters. That's there you go. And I'm going to get back to y'all. Don't worry, ladies. I got you covered. We're working he, on the trilogy. Relax. I got you covered. As someone who has read uh, the initial version of Maddie's Rocket, let me tell you, um, before I was excited and crazy over Infinitum, I was excited and crazy over Maddie's Rocket. Once again, it's not a story, a point of view, an approach that you have seen any – that I have seen anybody else do. Thank you. So we'll just tease them with uh, – I mean some people out there have, have, have uh, seen a version of Maddie's Rocket. Right. Those folks who have their graphic novels, hold on to them. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Believe me, eBay will be calling at some point. Right, right, right. Um, so let's jump back in. So this book, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, Andre Oba, he lives through he lives through every historical event, but he lives through every storytelling convention, every storytelling trope. Uh, are there are there tropes that I may be missing? Um, you did mention ancient Africa. Uh, are there things non? I mean, what I see is Every trope from pulp genre narration, you right. know, from adventure stories to science fiction. Is right. there something I'm missing just because it's – There is not in that sense. I wanted to deal deal with every genre. I see. Because we live in every genre. Exactly. We have romances. Sure. We have, you know, we, we deal sure. with – our, our, our people dying early, our people dying late. We have children. We have young children. We have juvenile delinquents. We deal with the criminal justice system. We deal with politics. So I wanted to deal with the plethora of the black experience. So that's the first thing. Sure. Technically, however, I it was recently I was having a conversation with my old instructors from School of Visual Arts. I went there uh-huh. for like one semester. Uh-huh. So Mark Newgarden and, and Paul Karasik were my teachers. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, I was a completely, I was a total arrogant butthead at the time, you know, but they, <laughs> well, that happens. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it definitely happened to me. So these guys, um, and the irony is they put out a book called uh, Reading Nancy recently. Hmm. I think it was called Reading Nancy. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, I knew, yeah, it's about the great yeah, uh, comic strip. Right. Yeah. And, but that storytelling technique of how Ernie Bushmiller did his work mm-hmm. where he used what I call pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. And that pattern recognition, what it is, is that you're telling a story and like a song, you have beats. Mm-hmm. Now everybody does this, but I'm just describing yeah. what it means to me. And by using the ability to have repeated patterns, mm-hmm. you develop a rhythm, a mm-hmm. routine. But if you spread the rhythms out and you have multiple patterns, it gives the appearance of random, uh-huh. action, but it's actually part of a straightforward plan. Interesting. So that is how, yes, that is how I tell my stories, mm-hmm. whether I tell them in one illustration per page, like Infinitum, mm-hmm. or multiple illustrations mm-hmm. per page, like Maddie's Rocket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that technique, I never forget. They 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 gave us the assignment. I hated. Oh God, why do we have to do this? You have to do your own version of of of, of Nancy. Yeah, I remember reading because I grew up reading Nancy. Sure, my, it, my, didn't my, we all? <laughs> yeah, and so I read it, but it was the first time someone had forced me to get under the hood mm-hmm. of how another cartoonist worked. Yeah. Interesting. And well, you were not just looking at the visuals. You were looking at the structure. The structure. How is this character? This character here is facing screen right. Mm-hmm. Why is he facing screen right? Because readers read from the left to the right. Well, why is the other character that he's talking to facing screen left towards the character? And it's because that is the language of visual communication. And that is where I learned that. I, I didn't understand it. Of course, then Scott McCloud would 
go and drive a stake through the heart of that. So now everybody knows, right? You, <laughs> yeah, know, you right. know, hey, you gave away all the tricks. A, a great book. I love Scott McCloud's book. I got <laughs> That's right. yeah. Sculpt is awesome. But, um, you look behind so, the curtain. Yeah. So that's what I tried to do. But what I wanted to do uh, and speaking of Howard University uh, uh, that you are an alumnus of. For those who can't see, I've got my uh, Howard University football. It's his shirt on. That's right. That's your MEAC, baby. His Kamala Harris Harris school shirt on. You know, that's what we got. Sister Harris. Sister Harris, uh, Vice President Harris. Sorry. Yes, Sister Pre- Vice President. Excuse me. That's right. That's right. So part of what I wanted to do was to take um, – uh, I taught at Howard a few years ago. Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, what? In the School of Fine Arts? Uh, in the film department. Where? What? In the film department. Oh, in the film department. Oh, yeah. yeah I was brought there by Haile Garima. Sure, yeah. 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 Filmmaker. Who, uh, Great filmmaker. Yeah. And of course, my oldest brother went yeah. there. Yeah. And I heard all these things about the black aesthetic, you know, and how they trained mm-hmm. a number of filmmakers from there. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was always about taking what those guys had done. Of course, I couldn't articulate it, but it's always about, well, how are black characters depicted mm-hmm. in celluloid sure. film? My thing was, how are black characters depicted in sequential art? Mm-hmm. How they depict it, uh, and, and, and that they would be an active participant and not a side figure. Sure. Uh, well, I was just thinking about it the other day. Drew Friedman did this story. I forget the title of it, where it was basically Mayberry is Andy Griffith, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's basically they lynched this black man. Ah. It's, yeah, it's a fascinating story, uh, and it's looking at this one aspect of pop culture for that moment of time, but depicting it within a very real scenario for many black folks during that time. And as we can obviously see, the present is still going on. Yeah. I wanted what I aspire to do in my work is to present visual complexity written narrative complexity, that dance, that ever uh, present dance in comics of the visual and the written mm-hmm. word, mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to depict us without residing too heavily on abstraction. Mm-hmm. Abstraction mm-hmm. is good, particularly sure. in fine arts. But when you're dealing with comics, you want your people to know exactly what they're looking at. Sure. At least that's where I'm coming. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do storytelling where when a person saw it, they knew what was happening narratively, but they were, it hopefully would be a feast to the eyes. Mm-hmm. So my sister-in-law, Monica Goudreau, told me, I asked her, I said, we were, uh, you know, uh, at uh, Cafe Du Monde getting beignets about to leave on the way back. <laughs> there you go. My wife and I. I asked her, I said, hey, so what do you think of the story? I said, you like it? She said, I loved it. I said, what do you think of the story? Because, you know, mm-hmm. it's the story that counts, right? Sure. I'm putting my quotation fingers. <laughs> She said, the story's wonderful, but to be frank, the images, I can't stop looking at them. Well, uh, yeah. (laughs) But see, that's the thing. I put so much into the image because there was a point where Infinitum could have been black and white and very sketchy. You saw the breakdown. Yeah. You saw them three years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I could have done it, just refined it and called it done. Done. But I'm like, no, no. We must have, you must know that when you see this, that I lost a limb. <laughs> you must know that I went 1,000% in. That was my intention. Well, you know, let me ask you that because on that point, just on your point of uh, your concern over abstraction, uh, as you put it, this storytelling, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's comics, it's sequential. But mm-hmm. the page layout is not traditional. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very different from, say, Maddie's Rocket. Mm-hmm. Um, every the weight on every page mm-hmm. for meaning and mm-hmm. narrative uh, continuity is immense. Every page has got to kind of give you both uh, nuanced communication between characters and readers and a rich visual experience. And carry over, even if the gutter in this particular case mm-hmm. is not 
always, you know, the next immediate action. Some right. of your p- panels are so powerfully symbolic and iconic. They, you know, they take the place of two or three full traditional comics pages. Right. I, uh, you know, I'm almost sitting here going like, hey, man, don't tell them that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing, it's another thing to see it. it. Yeah. I, I will say this. I did that because yeah, I'm 54 years old, Calvin. <laughs> I've been doing this since I was I did comics first uh-huh. but when I switched to saying oh okay, I gotta do black characters in comics I was 12 wow. 13 uh-huh. and it, it's like you know I'm so proud of my book and I thank everyone who supported me Tracy Sherrod my editor at Harper Yes, Boston, yeah. shout out man. to I haven't mentioned the book is being published by Amistad Press, really uh, a, a pioneering black New York City uh, trade book publisher uh, founded by Charles Harris Sr. Just have to mention that uh, it's a landmark. It's owned by HarperCollins, but it continues to do the kind of work that it was founded for by Charles Harris. So right. sorry, I, I needed this. I should have no, said no, that no, earlier. No, it's like it's like Infinitum is published by the same company. That publishes Zorner Hurston. Yeah. Martin Luther King. Yeah. I'm not yeah. blind to that fact. Yeah. That they chose my book. Yes. They published by to. a black imprint. They didn't have to do that. Yeah. It was the black imprint. It was Harper Collins. Yes. I am clear on the magnitude of it. Yeah. And because I was clear on it early on, I knew you you can't have there's no half action to this one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Here. I'm dead serious. There's no half action to this. You must that's why the next book, you know, I have to buy a new ergonomic chair. <laughs> I'm gonna start taking yoga. I'm serious. I, yoga, I gotta do all those yeah. things because if I'm gonna do it again, then I have to be able to more physically perform. Mm. It's like really like a professional athlete. Yeah. You really do sure. have to be more into that. So with this book I'm aware of the magnitude of it. I'm aware, you know, it, it, it is, it is, it serves an important purpose. Sure. And, and, and I know that. And mm-hmm. we'll see how people respond to it. I don't know how people are going to respond to it. Thus far, it's been uniformly positive, you know, but we will see. Yeah, I, without a doubt, uh, people will see this very soon. Um, I, I, to jump back to your remark about patterns of storytelling, mm-hmm. one of the powerful patterns in the story is um, the repeat of these of the tragic um, impact on John uh, Oba's family life. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, his uh, in some ways his inability to have to have a sustained loving environment. Right. Um, this drives him. He, he does find other instances um, as we, as you go through time, but he's always to be, it seems to be uh, frustrated that this will end in grief. Yeah. I will sum it up. Uh, I will never forget. Uh, Cause we'd gone through the editing. I turned the book in in November of 2019. Hmm. A month and a half passed, and I'm feeling good. Yeah, man. Hey, I did it. I, I turned my book in. And then we go to dinner. It's like, it's not done. What do you mean it's not done? <laughs> I've turned it in a month ago. I, what do you mean it's not done? It's not done. <laughs> ah, so we go through that drama. And I the story expands by another 25, 30 pages. And there are fairly extensive adjustments to the dialogue. Mm-hmm. No, this is this is you working with Tracy Sherrod. Tracy Sherrod, yeah, uh, was another editor uh, as well. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting the name. I'm gonna uh, Savannah was her name. uh, If I just did let our readers know that uh, Tracy Sherrod is the I think she's the editorial director of Amistad, um, as well as your your personal you know your editor along with other. And uh, I've also known Tracy for many many years. She's an outstanding editor, um, publisher. So. Uh, yeah, so this is, I think this is an interesting look inside the process, right. 
particularly a difficult process when dealing with graphic novels, labor-intensive in the extreme. What happens when you have to, like, adjust, make adjustments? If you're a professional, Mm. if you're a pro, Mm. your job is to adjust. Yeah, absolutely. Your job is to adjust. You might not like it. And Lord, Lord, I didn't like it. A lot of, I'm talking to a lot of authors, they don't really like it. (laughs) I didn't like it at all because it means having to re-engage on a process that can oftentimes, it, it will hurt. Yeah. But we are, the work that we do is like a professional athlete. I said that before. Mm-hmm. It is, mm-hmm. it is your job is to perform. That's your job. Sure. In order to connect with the audience. And when it comes to your deeper question about patterns, uh, in the, the, the relentless, never ending, uh, equation and dilemma that this main character must, at, it's, it's confronts him every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would sum it up into the final editing decision. Uh, we're sitting in a restaurant and, you know, we're going through page by page. Trace, lose that line. Put that line in there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, I'm reading it and I, I'm a horrible reader sometimes. And she asked me, why does this character go through this? Mm-hmm. And I said to her, we are not meant to live forever. We are meant to decay and rot, mm-hmm. providing sustenance to those who come after us. And that is the non-beautiful, mm-hmm. non-romantic reality. We are food. Yeah. Or other life forms. And as human beings, we sometimes tend to think we're above other life forms. You know, which is why in the book, without going into it, there are other life forms that appear that are both terrestrial and on this planet mm-hmm. that you don't even think that are sentient. Sentient. Mm-hmm. And they are. Uh, and I wanted to show that. Because we need to see it. Now, please understand, I am well aware that many of the concepts intentionally in Infinitum Mm -hmm. have been covered in the prose space for years, decades. Mm -hmm. But in the visual space, it's much trickier. This is why Black Panther had such an effect, because people were like, oh, my God. Yes. The scope of the vision. Country and there is floating hovercraft. Sure, sure. That's so. That's part of what I the intention of this book. That was the intent. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I want to jump to another point that um is and and actually this connects with something you just said just now about Mm -hmm. um giving more attention maybe to some aspects of this historical story arc than others. Uh, one of the things I noticed the sections. On the South and civil rights, they're, they're relatively short in comparison with other parts of the book. Is that because this has been perhaps covered so thoroughly in our literature or are there other reasons? Okay. Uh, uh, we're going to have to stop there because you froze up for a oh, second. The, oh. Repeat the question. Uh, but the, my question was uh, the, the civil rights era uh, section of this uh, when John appears, uh, uh, his presence, his force, uh, mm-hmm. enters into this historical storytelling moment. Mm-hmm. It's one of the shortest, one of the shorter jumps. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you, you almost don't linger on it very much. And I was wondering, is there a reason behind that? This is obviously yeah. re- well trod storytelling area in black life, but I was just curious. All right. So two things. Uh, one, it is well tread. Yeah. We know that story. Yes, we, we, we know it. We know that story. We know that story. Uh, but we don't see that story a whole lot. Mm. Uh, my father, A.J. Fielder, senior, oh, junior, senior is my grandfather, uh, was one of the student activists at Alcorn State University. Ah. In Lorman, Mississippi. And that's a swack. That's swack. Isn't that's, it? Swag. that's swack. That's swack. <laughs> so, Southwestern Athletic. That's right. That's right. And, uh, like Grambling. 
for those right. who don't know. <laughs> right, right. Purple, uh, purple and gold, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> if I'm wrong, but I think it's purple right. and gold. But anyway, so he, along with uh, three other, maybe four other black men were thrown out of the school because there were some issues going on with the, the, the you know, the, the way the school was managed. And he was not in school. He didn't finish his degree until a man said, look, I want to get you into school at Wilberforce University, which is Central State uh-huh. in Ohio. So a black man helped my father get his degree. Mm-hmm. That man's name was Mega Evers. Wow. Deep. <laughs> That's deep. I'm from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Mega Evers from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You understand? We know. So Afrofuturism as it is practiced is it's international. Sure. It's international. It comes from the world, the globe. It is for the world. It's for the globe. You have a Caribbean Afrofuturist. You have, uh, you know, you have uh, British Afrofuturist. Uh, sure. I was just reading a, a, a story in The Guardian with uh, Cortia Newland, who just released this really amazing book. Uh, 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 he worked on uh, um, the thing with uh, Steve McQueen's program. He was one of the co-writers. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what that little axes or what, what's little, that? Is that? Yeah, little yeah. axe, small axe, little axe. Small, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, but I, I, I haven't seen it yet, but I, I hear I, it's awesome. They hear right, all of them are awesome. Yeah, it is. And but we 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 did our thing. Our, our black Americans, we have made our stamp on world culture because making our stamp on world culture. When we don't know necessarily where we come from, you have to make your stamp on something just to feel like you belong. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of folks from other regions can't understand that. But that is why we are so fly. (laughs) That is why we're so dope. All the time. All day long. Every day. It's it's We don't have any choice. And Yeah. yeah, you know, I get it. But it's like, it's why we can make something literally out of nothing. Teach, teach. Uh, our, our, our eloquent, our eloquent and syncopated response to existence. Yes. Uh, um, uh, okay, we're, we're, we're running out of time here, so I just want to get to a couple more things. Uh, uh, like all of the other genres, the, the book, it seems to embrace the black superhero. Um, uh, a character. Well, it's see. Well, you, am I wrong? I mean, am I projecting into the book? It, it, it is in there. I mean, I think this is an important thing because this is also a genre that has been neglected in mainstream. There, there, there's presence, but it's it's been a marginalized presence. Anyway, that's just my take on it. Right, right. Well, I, but, but how do you be a little bit clear? I'm trying to understand what uh, you said. Well, there's a, there's a point in the story where John um, uh, becomes ever more powerful. Ah, uh, yes. And and even and then later, even more powerful still. Yeah. Okay. So I see where you're going. I see where you're going. So. Black characters. Uh, as depicted, particularly male superhero characters, oftentimes can have a handicap, which is fine. Nothing wrong with disability. They can have a shortcoming of ethics. They're not a hero. They're a hero for hire. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Well, we know that. Yeah. Right, right. just can't do it because it's virtuous. It's because they actually have to be hired to do it, which actually makes more sense. Because yeah. they're on because we we hustle. Right, we're hustling. You know, <laughs> and I get it. I, I, I had to hustle. We all have to hustle. We all hustle. We all hustle. But I wanted to show a character, you know, that expanded beyond. You know, uh, I have sure. on my shelf here uh, Lin Cow by Jodorowsky and Mobius. Sure. Uh, well, a great book, um, and uh, Jodorowsky tried his best to go in to expand farther. 
father. Mm-hmm. And that's, I wanted someone like us for all of the nastiness and the beauty and the ugliness. I want him to expand father. Mm-hmm. Father, because we need that. Father. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Well, yes. I mean, in, in, in the sense, of course, the entire book is constantly well, but, but, going. But, but specifically that part. That particular part. Okay. I wanted, okay. I wanted him as an immortal. Mm-hmm. We live, man. Mm-hmm. That's our superpower. <laughs> well, that's that's made really clear in this story uh, that regardless of what you may have heard, uh, this black presence is here and undying. Yes. Thank um, you. Yeah. It's here and undying. That uh, is it. And even it's, I mean, even the, every end is another beginning. Yes. I, or every I, so-called I, end is another This is the type beginning. of stuff we could talk about after the fact. <laughs> I know. We could go on here. Everything is non-ending. Yes, of course. It's patterns over and over, over, and, over. and over and over again. Uh, well, we're, 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 we are winding down. I do want to ask you this. Uh, now, you, you know, you worked on this book for what three, four, four years? I mean, I know it's. I I must have heard about it about three years ago. I think. Right. The version that you saw was a version that was supposed to appear in the New York Times uh, uh-huh. back in 2016, but that story was kind of pushed aside because black man is a mortal god. Probably not the most con- cool concept to work with. Uh, and then we eventually resurrected it, and that became the version right. that you see now today. Well, that's an interesting um, uh, context to mm-hmm. this question because this book is arriving at an incredible time of crisis it is. And, yeah. um, and and deeply felt emotion, uh, really a transf- or either a transformative time or it has the potential to be a transformative moment uh, uh, in American history. And American history is always African-American history as well. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's it's a, a coin that flips back and forth. One does yes. not exist without the other. Yes. Uh, it, it, you're arriving at a very special time. Um, yes. is, does this book have a special message, regardless of how it may have started out for the times that we're facing? Oh, wow. You're the first person to ever ask me that question. Uh, I will give two answers. One, that remains to be seen. Sure. Because I'm understanding of the very real implications of business. Sure. And sure. that your project, your product performs based upon the reaction of the audience. Sure. Uh, so my job, what I can do is to make sure I'm available I am respectful and political, but also a team player. Mm-hmm. That is important to me sure. as a 54-year-old man. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll leave my radical stuff in the book. We'll leave all the other stuff. It's all there. It's all there for we people to read. We'll show some home training. <laughs> yeah. <about that. laughs> yeah. So that's as the, the folks uh, used to say. <laughs> right, right. And the focus, it, it, in the more focal, uh, focused point of view. But expanding outward, I would say my dream if it could happen, is I will want my book, God, this might be kind of arrogant to say, I would like for my book to be history making. I would like for it to be, to change the world. I would like for, I would like for schools to carry it. Yeah. I would like for it to be made into films and I would like for it to go on a thousand years after I'm gone. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what I want for this book. Well, you know, um, there's a good chance you might get it. Um, look, in the few minutes we have left, uh, I know we're talking about a book that's about to come out, but I mm-hmm. just would love you to just say a little more. Just tease our audience. What is Maddie's Rocket? And um. <laughs> this I, guy, I, and, I, and, and you talk about this on another podcast, but I, I'm just going to I just want you to plug it again. <laughs> so Maddie's Rocket is a retro Afrofuturistic tale of a woman by the name of Maddie Waddy, who's named after my great grandmother, whose name was Maddie Waddy. It is a fusion of the life of Bessie Coleman, the first licensed 
uh, African American or a black palate, is from um, I understand. Uh, and Harriet Tubman. That is what the stories are: is about a woman who engages in this adventure. Now, stylistically, take the world of Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon, the serials from the 30s and 40s. Mm-hmm. Take the cast of Stormy Weather, all black, Louis Armstrong, the whole thing. Yeah, baby. And make the main character. Uh, 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 Lena Horn or, or Dorothy Dandridge as Maddie, and you've got Maddie's Rocket. I it's love it. Fun. My love for all things Frank Capra and Dave Stevens and Buster Crab and all those things mashed together just with the black people they left out. All right. I love it. Well, Matt, can I add? I, I, I describe it to people as, um, Flash Gordon's, Flash Gordon with Jim Crow back That's in. Right. That's right. <laughs> That's um, so look, um, uh, Tim, uh, look, uh, I'm, I'm inspired by the work and let me tell you folks, I, I, I know we're talking deep here and history changing, but this book's a page turner too. I mean, you know what? It's, it, it's, it's fun. It's gripping. It's powerful. And, but it's, it's a great conceptual storytelling, um, project. Uh, and, uh, it'll knock your socks off. So that just my opinion, but you know what? Check it out. Um, yes. Final thing, please. Calvin, thank you for your support. <laughs> no, I'm uh, serious. Without going into any detail, you did not have to. You have been a champion of me fishing, <laughs> which is important. Yeah. Uh, and you didn't have to do that. Uh, and I thank you for that. Well, uh, you're more than welcome. Thank you for this great book. Um, uh, and uh, just to remind everyone, it is infinitum. Uh, an Afrofuturist tale by Tim Fielder, published by Amistad Press, uh, an imprint at HarperCollins. It will be published this month. Um, Tim Fielder, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Thank you, Calvin Reed, the great Calvin Reed. Thank you. <laughs>